Evidence and Answers. You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. During our last time together, Pat was deep into a discussion regarding Iran, ISIS, and its connection to Israel. With the conclusion is our host, Pat Zucran. We are continuing our series on Iran, ISIS, and Israel. What is the connection between these three? And is there a connection with biblical prophecy? Now, a terrorist group we have been hearing a lot about is ISIS. Who are they? What is their mission? Are they Islamic or should they be considered a non-Islamic terrorist organization? What President Obama called the JV team of Al-Qaeda has become the most feared terrorist group in the world today. Now, much of my research comes from an outstanding article by Graham Wood titled, What ISIS Wants, and it appeared in The Atlantic in March 2015. So much of my information is credited to him in this outstanding article he did, and also to a Princeton Islamic scholar, Bernard Haeckel, one of the foremost authorities on Islam. And so both, I'm indebted to both of these men in much of their research on the history of ISIS and eschatology and theology of ISIS. Now, ISIS is a Sunni Islamic group. Remember, there are two major factions in Islam that have been at war with each other for over a thousand years since the death of Muhammad. The majority of the Islamic world, some estimate 90% of the Islamic world, is Sunni. And the Shiites represent the minority. Most of the Shiites are there in Iran and Iraq and Afghanistan as well. ISIS is a Sunni Islamic group. Iran and Iraq are dominated by the Shiites. And so the Sunnis consider the Shiites heretics. And so what's one of the groups thwarting Iran's plans to influence and dominate the nation of Iraq is the Sunni Islamic group ISIS that stands there in opposition to the Shiites and to the nation of Iran. Now, it is estimated that there may be as much as 11 million followers in ISIS, not only in the Middle East, but worldwide. Now, where does ISIS come from? Well, here's a brief history of this group. ISIS stands for the Islamic State in Iraq and Syria. That's what ISIS stands for. Now, a brief history of this group. They originated in 1999 as part of Al-Qaeda in Iraq. Al-Qaeda in Iraq, if you remember, was led by Abu Musab al-Zarqawi. He was killed in 2006 as the result of an airstrike. The leadership then went to Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi. Now, originally, ISIS was an Al-Qaeda affiliate. But there was a power struggle with Al-Qaeda leader Ayman al-Zawahiri. And Al-Qaeda eventually cut all ties with ISIS after this. Al-Qaeda in Iraq began expanding its territory into Syria during the conflict that arose in 2011. Now, in 2013, al-Baghdadi, the leader of the group, renamed the group to ISIS, the Islamic State of Iraq and Syria, or as some call it, ISIL, the Islamic State of Iraq and Levant. In July of 2014, al-Baghdadi, in the Great Mosque of al-Nuri in Mosul, Iraq, you may recognize that name, it was a prominent city during the Iraq War, but in Mosul, Iraq, 
He claimed the title of Caliph, or the leader of the Islamic world, and now seeks the allegiance of all Muslims all over the world. Since his claim, Muslims from around the world have been joining ISIS in an unprecedented pace. So today, the followers number approximately 8 million. Now, ISIS is a millenarian organization or apocalyptic kind of organization. And to understand its mission and their goals, you must understand a little bit of its eschatology. Now, ISIS believes that before the Mahdi or the Islamic Messiah arises, the armies of Rome or the powers of the West will gather to meet the armies of Islam in northern Syria in a place called Dabiq near Aleppo. Now, you may recognize the name Dabiq because there's been some serious battles going on over there. But there in the plains of Dabiq, the crusader armies of the West will suffer a catastrophic defeat. So although the plains of Dabiq do not have any strategic importance, ISIS fought fiercely to capture this land. And there was a wild celebration in the fall of 2014 when ISIS took control of the plains near Dabiq. Now, with the control of Dabiq, the Islamic State awaits the arrival of the enemy army there. The armies of the West, or the armies of Rome, the Crusader armies of the West, will arise and gather there in the plains of Dabiq. And ISIS believes that they will be defeated, and the defeat of the Western powers will initiate the countdown to the Islamic apocalypse. A mass executioner in November of 2014 in a video showing the gruesome severed head of Peter Kasig, the aid worker who'd been held captive for more than a year there, stated, Here we are, burying the first American crusader in Dabiq, eagerly waiting for the remainder of your armies to arrive. Through actions like these, ISIS hopes to entice the U.S. and her allies to gather for war there on Dabiq and the countdown to the Islamic apocalypse shall begin. Now, ISIS believes that after its battle in Dabiq, the caliphate, or the leader of Islam, the caliphate rule will expand and take Istanbul, the capital city of Turkey. It is from there the last caliphate ruled until 1924 with Ataturk's reforms, where he removed the Islamic caliphate. Some believe that the rule of this Islamic caliphate established by ISIS will then cover the entire earth. Well, shortly after this battle, an antichrist figure known as the Dajjal will come from Khorasan, a region of eastern Iran, and kill a vast number of the caliphate's fighters until just 5,000 remain. The Islamic army that remains will retreat to the city of Jerusalem, where they will take their final stand. And just as the Dajjal prepares to finish them off, the Muslim Jesus will return to earth, spear the Dajjal, and lead the Muslim armies to victory. That is a brief overview of ISIS eschatology and what drives them to do the kind of things that they do. Now, the mission of ISIS is this, to restore pure Islam and Sharia law to the nations of Islam and eventually to the world. Much of what the group does may seem nonsensical until we understand that it is their goal to establish 
the rule under pure Sharia law throughout the land, it returned to a 7th century legal environment that was established by Muhammad and ultimately bring about the Islamic apocalypse. ISIS views themselves as a reform movement called to restore the true teachings and practice of Islam as taught and practiced by Muhammad and his early followers. ISIS believes that today the majority of the Muslim nations have compromised their religion in order to gain acceptance by the West. ISIS believes that in the early 20th century, the Western powers denounced the practices of Sharia law practiced in many of the Muslim countries. Many countries like Turkey then abolished Sharia law in order to gain acceptance from the West. ISIS views the Islam practiced by the majority of Muslims then is not true Islam but an apostate form of Islam. And it is their mission and calling from Allah to restore the true teachings and practices of Islam. That is why ISIS also persecutes and kills Muslims. Many wonder about that, but it is because they view many Muslims as apostates, men who have compromised the teachings and practices of Islam as taught literally in the Quran and practiced by Muhammad and his early followers. Now, ISIS is ISIS an Islamic group. You know, many Muslims denounce ISIS as a non-Islamic group that teaches a perverted or twisted form of Islam or more of a terrorist organization that tries to use a twisted form of Islam to support its case. Many mainstream Muslim organizations have stated that the Islamic State is un-Islamic. However, many Muslim scholars respond saying that ISIS is indeed an Islamic group driven by Islamic teaching and theology. Graham Wood, the man who wrote the article in the Atlantic magazine, states this, The reality is that the Islamic State is Islamic, very Islamic. Yes, it has attracted psychopaths and adventure seekers drawn largely from the disaffected populations of the Middle East and Europe. But the religion preached by its most ardent followers derives from a coherent and even learned interpretations of Islam. Virtually every major decision and law promulgated by the Islamic State adheres to what it calls the prophetic methodology, which means following the prophecy literally and the literal example of Muhammad in punctilious detail. Muslims can reject the Islamic State, and nearly all do. But pretending that it isn't actually a religious millenarian group with theology that must be understood to be combated has already led the United States to underestimate it and back foolish schemes to counter it. Princeton scholar Bernard Haeckel, the leading expert on ISIS, states that many who denounce ISIS and as non-Islamic are, quote, embarrassed and politically correct with a cotton candy view of their own religion that neglects what their religion has historically and legally required. Haeckel points out that ISIS consistently quotes the Quran in all of their literature. He regards the claim that the Islamic State has distorted the text of Islam as preposterous, sustainable only through willful ignorance. 
The text ISIS quotes are those shared by all Sunni Muslims, not just the Islamic State. And these guys have just as much legitimacy as anyone else. So although many in the Muslim world try to denounce ISIS as non-Islamic, they are indeed driven by a literal, a strict literal interpretation of the Quran and they seek to copy Muhammad literally in every way. So they are definitely an Islamic group driven by the teachings of Muhammad and the historical example of Muhammad. Now, Muslims who know the history of Islam will readily acknowledge that Muhammad was a warrior and his earliest conquests involved beheadings of enemies, raping of women, assassinations, crucifixion of enemies, and slavery. Once again, according to Muslim scholar Haeckel, the fighters of the Islamic State are authentic throwbacks to early Islam and are faithfully reproducing its norms of war. This behavior includes a number of practices that modern Muslims tend to prefer not to acknowledge as integral to their sacred texts. Slavery, crucifixion, and beheadings are not something that freakish jihadists are cherry-picking from the medieval tradition. Haeckel further states, The Islamic State fighters are smack in the middle of the medieval tradition and are bringing it wholesale into the present day. If you read the Quran, you see that the Quran specifies crucifixion as one of the only punishments permitted for the enemies of Islam. The tax on Christians and non-Muslims finds clear endorsements in the Quran in the ninth chapter, which instructs Muslims to fight Christians and Jews until they pay the jizya, or the heavy tax on unbelievers, with willing submission and feel themselves subdued. That's chapter 9 of the Quran. The Prophet, whom all Muslims consider exemplary, imposed these rules and owned slaves. So what the Islamic State is doing is taking a literal interpretation of the Quran and imitating the life of Muhammad in trying to imitate his life in every detail. Leaders of the Islamic State have taken the imitation of Muhammad as a strict duty and have revived traditions that have been dormant for hundreds of years. Haeckel once again states, What's striking about them is not just the literalism, but also the seriousness which they read these texts. Haeckel stated, There's an assiduous obsessive seriousness that Muslims don't normally have. Now the Quran also teaches punishment for apostasy or turning away from Islam. And remember, ISIS, they are Sunni Muslims. They consider Shiites as apostates. For example, the Shiite practice of worship at the graves of Imams and the public self-imposed beatings have no basis in the Quran's teachings or in the example of the Prophet. So ISIS denounces Shiites and their practices and their theology as apostate. So nearly 200 million Shiites are marked for death. Apostates are also the heads of state who have elevated man's law above Sharia law by running for office. And so ISIS seeks to replace many heads of states with more fundamentalist Sunni Muslims who will take seriously the implementation of Islamic Sharia law in the country. Now, under Islamic rule, non-Muslims are given only three choices, convert, 
meet the sword or pay the heavy jizya tax and living as second-class citizens. This is what is prescribed in the Quran. In chapter 9, verse 29 of the Quran, it states, Muhammad teaches how to treat unbelievers. It states, Fight those who believe not in Allah, nor the last day, nor hold that forbidden which hath been forbidden by Allah and his prophet, nor acknowledge the religion of truth, even if they are people of the book, that's Jews and Christians, until they pay the jizya, the heavy tax placed upon non-believers, non-Muslims, with willing submission and feel themselves subdued. So a non-Muslim, according to the Quran, is given three choices. You convert, you meet the sword, or you live as a second-class citizen, paying the heavy jizya tax and living as a second-class citizen. This was the case in the Middle East, but due to protests of the Western world, nations like Turkey, Iraq, and Syria established more secular governments and removed the jizya tax and allowed more freedom to non-Muslims. ISIS sought to return to true Islamic law and apply principles like chapter 9 of the Quran and instilled the jizya tax on non-Muslims. So as a result, many non-Muslims protested against this and as a result, they were killed by ISIS or driven out of their lands. So ISIS sees themselves as a reform movement to bring Islam back to a more literal interpretation of the Quran and a stricter following of the life and example of Muhammad. That's how they see themselves. And although they have been denounced by many organizations as un-Islamic, it is indeed the teachings of the Quran and the example of Muhammad that shapes their theology, which is the basis of many of their actions, which they are carrying out to this day. Well, how should we respond to this group, ISIS? Well, first, we must acknowledge this is indeed an Islamic group driven by their desire to instill Sharia law in their lands and instigate a war with the United States and the West and Israel to hasten the return of the Mahdi, or Islam's long-awaited Messiah. We have to acknowledge that in order to understand what drives their agenda. And until we're willing to acknowledge that, we're going to have great difficulty in really dealing with this organization because they're driven by such an ideology. Second, understand that this is not a group that can be negotiated with. Their goal is the destruction of the United States, Israel, and the crusader armies of the West. And they believe by instigating a war with the West, that will hasten the return of the Mahdi. And so this is not a group with this kind of ideology and eschatology one that can be negotiated with. They want to bring Sharia law and the caliphate not only to their lands, but to the world. So this is not a group you negotiate with. You must deal with them with force. They must be defeated militarily. Third, we must urge our leaders to stand against ISIS and continue to bring attention to their activities, especially their persecution on non-Muslims. And finally, we must not only defeat them militarily, we must also defeat them ideologically. We have to expose their false ideas and defeat the group ideologically with the truth 
of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Finally, Jesus said, pray for those who persecute you. We must pray for the downfall of this organization and their ideology and that God would protect the Christians in the lands of Syria and Iraq and the Middle East and that the Christians there, the missionaries and the believers in the Middle East would be protected by God long enough that they may continue to boldly proclaim the message of Christ and that their message would go forth powerfully and effectively and reach many Muslims with the knowledge and love of Jesus Christ. And also that as Muslims continue to see ISIS and their interpretation and how they seek to mimic and copy Muhammad in every way and take a literal teaching of the Quran, their eyes would be open to realize this is what Islam teaches. And many have been abhorred by the things that they have seen and the teachings that they have heard, maybe for the first time in the Quran and seeing it in the life of Muhammad as it is once again trying to be revived in this group ISIS. And many are, are abhorred and saying, if this is Islam, we want no part of that. And then would be more open to hearing about the gospel of Jesus Christ. So these are some of the ways in which we can deal with the threat of ISIS. You know, in Matthew chapter 24 and in Revelation chapter 12, it prophesies of a great persecution that will arise during the tribulation period before Christ returns. A great persecution will break out not only to Christians and the disciples of Jesus Christ, but also to the Jewish nation that will continue to arise and grow in its intensity as we near the return of Christ. So I believe that we will continue to see Islamic groups like ISIS continue to arise and persecute the nation of Israel and Christians as we near the return of Christ. John writes in his letter that the spirit of the Antichrist is already at work in the powers here upon this earth. And I believe it is Satan's plan to deceive people through religions like Islam and groups like ISIS to intensify the persecution and silence the voice of God's people there in the Middle East. So we must continue to pray for our missionaries and our Christian brothers and sisters there in the Middle East, that they may continue to share Christ and to preach the gospel boldly and powerfully, and that that message would indeed penetrate the hearts of the Muslims throughout the Middle East. If you want more information on ISIS, feel free to go to our website, evidenceandanswers.org, where you can look at my articles and see more about the life of Muhammad and understand the religion of Islam the teachings of Muhammad and the life that he led in several of my articles there. And also, if you want to understand more about ISIS, I recommend that you look at the outstanding article in the Atlantic magazine by Graham Wood. Much of my information on ISIS comes from Graham Wood and Princeton Islamic scholar Bernard Haeckel. Well, next time when we're together, we will discuss the nation of Israel and her connection with Iran and ISIS and the fate of the nation and the future of the world according to God's word and biblical prophecy. We look forward to seeing you next time here on Evidence and Answers.
thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed Pat's teaching. If you find this broadcast to be a blessing, please consider partnering with us. Evidence and Answers relies on the generous donations from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate and keep us on the air, click on the Donate button on the lower right-hand side of our homepage. That's evidenceandanswers.org. We do have a wide variety of resources available for you right there. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide reasons for faith and hope in Christ right here on Evidence and Answers.